0: You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network.
1: Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day.
0: It's good to keep it simple. Michelle
1: and Seth say take a deep breath. From Fade to Gray, it's mental. Welcome to another mental episode. How are you doing, Michelle?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I I'm I'm good. I uh
0: it's
1: it's (laughs) See now what's
0: funny is we both said the same thing and we both know that's not true. (laughs)
1: It's like
0: for either of us. (laughs) i'm great things things are
1: swell <laughs> in the world it's oh it's a great time uh, to be alive
0: okay this is not church okay uh, we can we don't have to put on our best face here we can we just can, be honest and we open. can
1: be real we can be honest we can
0: be real <laughs> i think we should in all honesty I right. think we should. i
1: mean it's one of my main so. things it's all about being genuine and authentic <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah me too but you know you still want to put your best foot forward you still want people to look at you and think nicely of you so
1: (laughs) yeah well that's all gonna go to go the other way today
0: I agree it is that's just the way it goes but that's okay because it's real
1: Mm -hmm. so I Michelle you mentioned imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome to me it was actually something you brought up which was interesting because I had just read a book on it a few months prior (laughs) so the irony there But what kind of drew you into imposter syndrome? Like what, I mean, what is this?
0: You know, I actually heard it mentioned somewhere and I did not know what it was, to be honest. I mean, and here I'm doing all this study into psychology and everything and it's not mentioned there. Right. Um, And I think I mentioned that before. It's not in the diagnostic manual. It's
1: not in the DSM-5. I have never heard of that.
0: (laughs) No. But it was something that I heard in a conversation or a video somewhere. I honestly do not remember the actual source, but I was like, what is that? And then I went and kind of, you know, did a, a, a quick gloss over, you know, little Google search on it and said, okay, what is this imposter syndrome? And I, I think I told you that when I read the description, I kind of put my head down and cried because I thought, oh my God, this is me, mm-hmm. um, like to a T. Mm-hmm. And I think I even mentioned to you, there was a little test that you could take to see how much you suffered from imposter syndrome. And I think I was like off the charts. I was a hundred percent, like if I could have gone above that, I think I would have, but um, and so it, it became something that I, I got pretty interested in. And I think it's so funny because when I brought it up and you had purchased books, I had just purchased books on it. Oh, really? Um, so I think we were already in sync. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so I think that is divine intervention, if you will, that this is a subject matter that probably is necessary. Because if you're working in the mental health field, and I'm studying in the mental health field, and either one of us knew what it was, there's a real good chance that a lot of people out there that are feeling this way have never heard of that either.
1: Right, so let's let's just bring it out of the bag, because okay. we can talk around it. But let's just name this for what it is. Um, okay. At, at its core, um, imposter syndrome is this persistent inability to feel as if you your success is derived um, or is legitimate. Um, derived right. by derived, I mean deserved. Um, right. So, it's this fear of, like, you are not good enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think most people will admit that at some point in their life they have felt that way. Um, and I would even go so far as to say that I think it's probably normal to not feel that way sometimes. To
1: some degree, yes.
0: Right. But when it becomes persistent, when it becomes uh, an overriding fear that you live, you know, with, within its grasp, mm-hmm. then now it's become a problem. Right. And, and I think, and I think studies have shown that it is very persistent for a lot of people. Um, but again, it comes back to that idea that we want our best foot forward. So we try to ignore all of these negative voices and self-talk going on inside of our own heads. And we convince ourselves that we're just being dramatic or we're just being Mm -hmm. emotional or, Mm -hmm. you know, all those little, um, adjectives that get thrown at us, Mm -hmm. um, that cause a lot of self-doubt, which only furthers this. Quite ironically, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and and I think you had mentioned before on the last on the last uh, mental episode, you had said, "Well, what is that? Is that a fear of rejection?" And I think at its core, it actually is, um, at least for most people, it is for me, a fear of rejection.
1: Fear of what other people are going to think, or. Right that your success is not good. I mean, again, I'm coming right back to not good Mm -hmm. enough. Um, So much of my life has been centered around this, (laughs) this fear, this core (laughs) fear that I am not going to measure up. I am somehow not good enough. Um, And so when I came across imposter syndrome, I read the definition and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, I can identify with all of that, um, even within recent events. But let's kind of talk about what is it that causes this? Why, why don't we feel good enough?
0: I, I think to some degree, it's a measure of self-confidence, uh, self-image issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people will, again, admit to some level of not having a great self-image all the time. Um, I mean, the opposite of that, of course, is narcissism, you know, where you are convinced that you are absolutely the greatest. But even that, at its essence, at its core, is a fear, is, is the result of rejection. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's where narcissism comes from. So you're talking about two different extremes in the response to the same stimuli, basically. Um, some people go so far one way as to say, I'm the greatest thing that's ever walked the planet. Nobody does anything better than me. Um, I'm the best at everything I try to the other end of the spectrum where you doubt everything you've ever done that you say. Um, even academic achievements or you know athletic achievements whatever the case may be you end up in a place where none of that is ever good enough there's a sense of perfectionism that goes yes. along with it and that negative self-speak tells you constantly i did not do this well enough i have to pretend that i'm okay but i'm just waiting for somebody to agree with me that i didn't do it well enough and and then you're i, I don't know it's it's basically a fear mm-hmm. of sitting around waiting for somebody to tell you how awful you are <laughs> which is horrible.
1: (laughs) Yes. But that's what I think, at least in my, cause I'm going to not talk from like a social work perspective. I'm talking from real life because this is something that really does impact me. And I think over the years I've discovered that I am a a validation junkie that Mm -hmm. like I have to have this like a form of validation in order to be okay um and right. even like in my job in social work and some of the things that I've done for a living um has always kind of come with this constant feedback loop. Um right. which if you're doing a good job and you're actually helping people, you get that validation, right? Right. Um right. but at its core, this I'm seeking this validation because there is this root fear that somehow I am going to be found out. That even though I've gone to school, even though I've gotten these degrees, right? right. Maybe somehow exactly. I'm not competent. Maybe somehow I'm yeah. not good enough. Um, maybe I should have tried harder. Maybe I needed sure, sure. to, you know, spend another year at it or done another internship. Um, there's somehow this um, fear that I will not measure up. Is that something you've ever experienced?
0: Oh, my gosh. Every single day of my life.
1: Let's talk about um,
0: it. <laughs> Well, you know, like I said, it's a self-image issue. And so if you have a poor self-image um, or you've received a lot of negative feedback in your life, there's that constant sense of self-evaluation happening. Mm-hmm. Um Ironically, that I have almost felt is almost narcissistic in its in in its interpretation as well. That you're so focused on yourself that you are not capable. But it's not a it's not a positive self-focus, it's right. a negative self-focus. Um, but it does impede your ability to actually function healthy within your chosen field or within mm-hmm. your relationships or whatever the case may be. So you you tend to end up self-evaluating everything to the nth degree. It's almost paralysis, anal, uh, paralysis by analysis. Like
1: The fact that you just said paralysis, I was going to jump on. I was going to be like, it's paralyzing. <laughs> um, yes. It's demobile. Like It will stop you in your tracks mm-hmm. um, and you don't know what to do.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think I shared with you the last time I had this book written and I was supposed to be sending it into a publisher and I kept going back to it. I just mm-hmm. kept going, like, there has to be something more I can fix. There has to be something more I can say. I have to go back and evaluate it because maybe I'm wrong here. Um, and, and so there was this over anal- analyzing sense of analyzation to what I had written, even though the perspective that I was writing from was purely anecdotal to my experience. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, yes, I did bring in psychological Concepts into the conversation, and I explained some of them, but it was purely how all of this had affected me, and yet I was still trying to make it perfect as though my experience was not
1: valid. Right. This is almost saying your story isn't good enough. Your story is not uh, valid in and of itself, that it somehow needs to change or be improved.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But again, self image, it comes back Mm -hmm. to believing the negative self talk that others have presented to you or that you are presenting to yourself. And so you've come to the table basically with an expectation of negativity and you're just waiting for somebody to confirm it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a horrible fear. I mean, you know, if we want to get into the comorbid things that come up along with it, we'd have to look at anxiety. We'd have to look at depression. We'd have to look at, you know, these these oversensitizing things that we feel as apprehension. And I don't even know if that's strong enough language for some people because we're all going to experience this again at different levels. Mm-hmm. Mine is pretty severe as I, as I look at it anyway. But now I'm deeply competitive, so mine may be just the best
1: well, of course. form
0: of imposter syndrome.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> so I recently took on a new job, all right? And whenever I do that, whenever there's a big transition in my life, I always have this sense that at least for like the first, I don't know, three to six months, that a shoe is going to drop. Um, It's just kind of constantly waiting of what's going to happen next. I'm going to be found out Um, to to the point where it it can be paralyzing, not just at work, but also at home.
0: Well yeah, and you and you tend to live your life then from a place of anxiety waiting right. for that to happen.
1: Where it's constantly on your mind. And right. what's interesting is no matter how much I think about it or anyone in the situation thinks about the problem, it's not going to fix it or solve it in that in that moment. And so it's like this constant waiting game, which I think yeah. Imposter syndrome really plays out in people's lives where it's totally um, paralyzing as you were saying. So
0: Yeah. I, well, and again, because it's not generally something that only applies to one area of your life. Typically, if you're dealing with it, it's from multiple areas. Right. Um, and so the more things that you are involved with, the more activities, the more things that you've attempted, the more of that negative expectation is going to be evident in your life, which of course can cause all kinds of problems. I mean, if, I mean, we're just talking about, you know, apprehension or anxiety levels. Uh, we're not even talking about what the physical response is to the, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, from a physical perspective, like what, what is stress doing to your body? We're talking mostly just from the mental health perspective. And it all goes together. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it can be very damaging across the board.
1: Oh, agreed. And I'm going to read this definition again. It's the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. And I wanted to read that because of that last part, efforts or skills. Right. Really, when you were mentioning this fear of, not fear of, but talking about self-doubt and that it, it really causes one to question their own worth.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll give you an example. I've worked for a long time now on educational pursuits. Um, I started a little later in life, but mm-hmm. for the last 10 years, almost solid has been one educational pursuit after another. Because of my personality, I, I've done the go to college thing and sit in a classroom with a bunch of people. I'm not good at it. I don't have a lot of patience for other people, to be honest. <laughs> so, so if somebody is not up to speed with the rest of the class. I tend to get very frustrated. Um, so it's just not a good thing. I don't play well with others. Um, and I am introverted. So the online format has been fantastic for me. Um, that's how I've managed to do all of my educational pursuits past junior college. However, one of the things that I came across was, um, At the time I was beginning, not many schools, like state schools or universities or whatever, were offering the online format for more than maybe one or two classes. So you had to go to a school that that became their priority. You know, like a Mm -hmm. University of Phoenix is one of the main ones. And so I chose to go there. That's what I chose to do. I could do the classes quicker. I didn't have to go sit in a classroom. I could if I wanted to because they allowed for both. But I wanted the online experience. So I did all of this. Only to, at one point, hear a comment from somebody that that's not real education. And so, because of that, immediately I started questioning my choices. So, even though I earned, at that, by that point, I had earned my bachelor's of science degree in accounting, mm. I didn't feel like it really mattered. Like, it wasn't up to par with everybody else that had probably gotten the same degree. Um, because mine came from an institution that, you know, oh, it's for profit, which apparently is a bad thing. And so I struggled with that. I still struggle with that. I, I most often don't tell people where I went to school because for whatever reason, I feel as though mm. they're going to tell me, well, that's not a real education. Then, And I can try and justify it in my mind. I have the arguments. Well, look, that education allows me to sit for nationally recognized exams that allow me professional certifications. So of course it's real education, but it's still somehow mm-hmm. not good enough in my mind. And the same is true with the way I'm get. I'm, I'm working on my doctorate. It's going to. If I have to get. It gives me all the education I need to get licensed to be a, a clinical counselor. But yet, there's this doubt in the back of my mind that it's not. Right. Well, it's not a real school, but it is. <laughs> so it's irrational. It's a ra- completely irrational. But yet, I still feel that all the time. I still feel and keep waiting for somebody to say, "Well, yeah, you took a few classes, but mm-hmm. those aren't real classes." You know, except I did right. a lot of damn work.: <laughs> Yes,
1: you did. It's evident you you wrote a book.
0: right, and so so why? Well, see, and again, my first reaction there is to discount that. And my husband, who just came in by the way, would probably be one of the mm-hmm. first to say, "Stop doing that, because you are diminishing your own your own um, achievements. Yeah, and why? I mean, how many people... Now, this is going to sound rude. I don't mean it in a rude, but in a generalized sense, how many people are sitting on their asses not educating themselves at all? Now, if that's your choice, that's cool. But those people are often the most vocal with telling you how you're not doing something well enough. Or I should say good enough. See, there's my lack of education. Lack
1: of education. Can you just (laughs) name the degrees really quickly just to put this out there? Just to, Uh, you know... (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, I have that mm-hmm. that magic little two-year degree when I first started. It uh, is a degree. Which I don't even really it count. Is a degree. But it is It's real. Um, it is a degree. Yeah, I have an associate's degree in general education. I have a bachelor's degree, a bachelor of science degree in accounting. I have a master's of business administration with a concentration in finance. And I'm now working on a doctorate in psychology. Um, I'm also working on a dual program of uh, a bachelor's master's program in biblical studies and general christian counseling but again it's not from a real seminary so does so it count i don't know I don't that know. it counts
1: i don't probably not
0: <laughs> yeah you see i i keep trying so there's this need to continue yes. to achieve to try and, and prove it- yourself
1: <sighs> where you go because that's right where i'm going because what i was about <laughs> so well, see it's, so my sync. next point was it's kind of like <laughs> always feeling like on a hamster wheel. Like it, it, there is there is yes. no I have arrived. Um it, it's this there's right. there's right. one thing it's like I get there okay so what's the next? And there's this constant need to like approve right. and that's where my validation comes in because like getting those achievements, right? Getting yes. those things, getting that wheel to move is fun. But it's kind of like, I don't end up going mm-hmm. anywhere, uh, right?
0: I know. Or the next thing is always on the horizon and you have no chance to celebrate
1: right. your accomplishments ooh, ooh. so far. Correct. Where do you allow yourself? So self-care is also diminished. It's as if no matter what you do mm-hmm. is ever good enough yes. so you can never like sit back and relax it's almost impossible because there's either a sense of the shoe right. is about to drop and everything's going to fall apart or I'm just never going to get there.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's very demoralizing in all honesty. I mean, you, you feel good for a second or two. When I got that bachelor's degree, I took a big deep breath and I went, Oh, this is so great. But then immediately my mind started turning like, well, maybe right. I should do more education. Maybe I, maybe this isn't good enough. Now, ironically, The reason that I decided to go get that bachelor's degree is because of my own, my business. I've had my business for 20 years. I do nothing differently now having that degree than I did before I had the degree. But for whatever reason, although there are, there are extenuating circumstances in the business world, I felt as though I needed more clout. I needed, I needed some letters behind my name to, to prove that I was good enough at what I, what my business did
1: there, there is, there is yes. some having yes. those letters behind your name do make you, of course, uh, I don't know what official.
0: Um, well, that's what you right. want to feel. You want to feel official. You want to feel as though, you know, you're recognized as an authority on a subject matter or something. Um, but I can tell you firsthand, I work with a lot of people with a lot of letters behind their name, and I have a lot more experience than they do. I have a lot more knowledge than they do. Correct. I'm actually answering their questions, and yet I'm still, I'm still seen mm. as, oh, well, you're just this. And it gets even yep. worse when you bring in gender mm-hmm. stereotypes into the business world, because I can work with the same client and give them the same advice, but they will instinctively want to talk to a man to, get, to hear the same thing.
1: Is that why you're a bodybuilder?
0: <laughs> no. That, well, no, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I just like it. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I was, you know, that's one way of compensating.
0: Well, maybe. I mean, maybe subconsciously. I don't know. I can tell you this. I never feel good enough at that either. So, I mean... Like I said, it's all negative self-talk about everything.
1: Please know that your co-host does not frequently (laughs) exercise. His only beverage that he drinks is Diet Pepsi. (laughs) He eats Tostino's pizza. Oh, God,
0: I miss pizza.
1: Let's, let's, you know, this, everyone, Michelle is a bodybuilder. Legitimately. Uh, Competes in competitions.
0: See, I... (laughs) I I get all sque- sque- squeamy about that, you know, legitimately. Well, what? Who decides that? <laughs>
1: uh, the pictures that I have seen on Facebook yeah. legitimize that. Uh, but
0: uh, I, you know, it's funny because I have a coach, and she got very frustrated with me not too long ago because. Um, I would post a picture or a video of, you know, what I was working on and I would have to diminish it somehow. I'd say, well, you know, oh, my legs look good here, but yeah, the shoulders really need work or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And finally she, she called me one day and she's like, you got to stop it. I don't want to hear another damn negative thing about yourself mm-hmm. out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. She said, it's ridiculous. And I said, I know I'm so bad at it and I, and I don't know how to make it stop. She goes, you are your own worst enemy. You need, you have to stop. Right and she's right. I get that. So I quit saying it out loud, but those voices still go on in my head mm-hmm. on a loop. So, so when you say I'm a legitimate, when you say I'm a legitimate bodybuilder, I'm waiting for somebody to go, "Well,
1: okay. Well, <laughs> anytime that you feel like you are not legitimate <laughs> as a bodybuilder, I would like you to call your co-host and get on Zoom, okay. and you'll feel restored <laughs> that you're most certainly miles okay, now, down see, the path. Okay, now see, that's your
0: negative self-talk. It doesn't
1: matter if it boosts yours. I'm okay with it.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's very sacrificial oh, of you.
1: You know what? I'm <laughs> such the martyr. So, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, let's talk a little bit about self-talk, uh, specifically negative okay. self-talk, because I have a lot of it. And I love here, you know, I'm a mental health professional, but I don't really always take great care of my mental health, which is also what's going to make this podcast fun. But (laughs) in talking about uh, negative self-talk, I often just let it go. And I just let those voices run because it Mm -hmm. seems like so much work to keep up with them.
0: Yes, it is. I mean, well, no. Positive self-talk, negative self-talk, it's all work. It's, I mean, you're having to convince, you're, you're basically trying to convince yourself of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, you trust you more than anybody else. So you start to believe the actual words that you're saying. So if they're negative, you're going to believe them. Right. If they're positive, you're going to believe them. But how often is that happening? Correct. <laughs> so
1: recently, as by recently I mean the last forty-eight hours, I was in a conversation with the co-host of Fade Gray, the Fade Gray podcast, and um, they were providing a compliment to me. And um, in that compliment was a couple things that you know probably could have been done better or been done differently. And all I could hear was the negative. To the point that they had to come back around and restate things in the positive. Um, it's intra- interesting how one can often completely miss the positive and only find the negative.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they were trying to use, you know, there's that age old, was it called? The sandwich method or something horrible. like that. It's horrible.
1: It does not work.
0: <laughs> yeah, because people only key in on the negative stuff in the middle. Correct.
1: Yeah, positive, <laughs> negative, positive does not work. We just focus on the on the negative, um, in the middle.
0: Yeah. Again, human nature Correct. or conditioning. We've been conditioned to think that way, and so, um, I, I'm going to bring in a, su- a subject here because I think it applies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've had this discussion with other people in the past surrounding the idea of negative self talk, or you know, in this case, um, imposter syndrome. The idea that we're constantly trying to validate our experience yeah. as authentic, as valuable. I keep coming back to this idea that I was raised, of course, in the Christian tradition, uh, which told me that I was to always be humble. Mm-hmm. That was always told me that I had to think of others more highly than myself, Correct. Um, that I was as dirty rags. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all of these ideas embedded inside the tenets of Christianity that tell you that you're supposed to be less than, or that you just are less than. And I think it starts causing a problem in our brain somehow
1: well we have in order in order for our savior to be great we must be bad like that's the only way this works really
0: right well so it's is it, but should it be greater by comparison or just great because he is you know, and, and so I think that that's what happens is we start living from a place of comparison immediately. And we're taught to, and we're rooted in that idea. From birth. Um, yeah. Or, you know, whenever you're introduced to that subject, but the idea that, you know, for the longest time, I, I mean, I sang for years and years. Mm-hmm. I have, anybody that talks to me knows I have a big loud voice. I can project well. And I sang and I, I did a fairly decent job of it and that's me diminishing again because it doesn't feel comfortable to say, hey, I was a good vocalist, but I am a good vocalist or I was, I haven't sang now in a long time, but, um, the idea that I, it was so uncomfortable for me, especially like in a church setting when people would come up and give me a compliment, it felt inauthentic to accept that compliment. Instead I would, well, that's accepting glory for myself. No, all glory belongs to God. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't accept that. It was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but I do remember when we would have guests come in to sing or whatever, automatically comparing myself to them as I'm not as good as, or, oh boy, I hope I don't have to sing in front of them because they're going to realize I'm not really a vocalist. You know, so again, back to the imposter stuff, the idea that we're still trying to prove, um, some kind of value to what we bring to the table as it's compared to somebody that we deem as actually authentic or valuable Mm -hmm. but again that's a value judgment i mean i've had lots of people that i've looked up to in all aspects of my life in business in sports in church or whatever and i've had other people say oh i don't think they're that good and i'm like that's who i'm comparing myself to so if they're not that good oh my gosh right you know so it becomes this very dangerous game we play with our own mental health
1: you mentioned this earlier and i'm going to come back around on it the piece around perfectionism, because that fell both within the my church experience, but then also kind of the reckoning of all the mental health crap. To where there's there's this constant need to try to be perfect, so that I can be fitting or worthy of God, and um, that whole works based salvation right um, kind of fell right in line with that. Um, and I think for a lot of people can people can get stuck there, um, where they're just in this constant cycle um, where they just never feel good enough, and it's just absolutely tragic.
0: Yeah, it is because it, first of all, if you truly believe. That, that you're in need of a savior, you already recognize you're not perfect <laughs> or you wouldn't need him. Correct. I mean, so I don't know why it's so difficult for us to say, you know, I'm okay just the way I am. F- flaw- flaws and all, I'm okay. But we all have a difficult time doing that. Um, so I don't think it's God we're trying to prove it to. I think it's each other that we're trying to prove it to. Prove what? Um, our worth. Mm-hmm. I don't think God is confused on our worth. I don't think he's ever been confused. I think we're confused on our worth. And we question why we should be worth anything to God. I don't think God in any way, shape, or form has ever been confused on that subject matter.
1: In talking about worth and where we find it, how does one... And I asked this question on Facebook, but I feel like this is falling right in line. Um how does one shift that finding their worth, their validation in the opinions of others, i.e. this imposter syndrome we're talking about, to, to shifting it to something more internal? And I, I I hate the answer God, because it doesn't that <laughs> doesn't work for me anymore uh, that I, I, it's an unsatisfactory answer.
0: Well, yeah, because what if you don't believe in God?
1: Correct. And even, how if, do I
0: find my value in through the eyes of God? If I don't believe God exists, or
1: you just believe that God has very much disappointed you even like it, even, of course, even yeah. your opinion around God can be shifted by
0: right. that. So I don't know. I gave you a very pithy response to that. I saw that question. I gave you I a very you pithy response. So it's all very surface level. I mean, what are you going to do on a Facebook post? You're not going to do a counseling session. Um, <laughs> But the idea is, you you know, the idea of wanting to encourage and, and I do believe, I mean, I I referenced the idea that we spend too much time worrying about what other people's opinions are and not enough worrying about what our own opinions are. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that's true. I think that we put far too much value on other people's ideas of what we're supposed to look like rather than enough value on what our idea of what we're supposed to look like is. I You know, I said that very awkwardly, but. If, if I'm more concerned with what you think of me than what I think of me, I have a problem.
1: Yes. Inherently.
0: Because I have to live with me all the time. Correct. You know, you, you may just be somebody passing along mm-hmm. or for a period of time in, 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 you know, our lives or our experience. But I have to live with me all the time. So my opinion of myself should be pretty darn important. But it rarely is. Mm-hmm. Rarely. So I don't know how you make that shift other than it is a constant exercise in positive self-talk and affirmation. You know, I mean, I worked with a life coach for a while. And I i mean, I'm a certified life coach. I, it's not a good advertisement. I mean.
1: <laughs> it's some things behind your name. There's some initials um, no, but, for that.
0: Well, yeah, Here's there are some
1: letters. Uh,
0: there is some achievement there it was a year long project to get to that so it wasn't some little you know 2999 course on the internet <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that if that's what you want to do be my guest but <laughs> um but no you know i i had to hit that gold standard because that's who i am mm-hmm. and um but even working with a life coach myself i found myself constantly irritated because he wanted me to only con- practice you know, positive self-talk. He wanted me to write affirmations every day and breathe them in and breathe them out. And at first I really chafed against that. Cause I was like, this is stupid. Like, I don't understand the value of this. And it took me a while of actually doing it before it actually started to make a little bit of sense. And then after it started to make a little bit of sense, it took even longer for me to start seeing results from it. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate part of that is if you stop doing it, you kind of lose traction because that negative voice is so much stronger. Yeah. And and so you have to kind of stick to that agreement with yourself that this is the only way I'm going to speak to myself or about myself. It's mm-hmm.
1: so. good stuff. Okay.
0: Now I shared with you my imposter syndrome. I need to hear what yours is.
1: Oh, <sighs> Well, on what degree? Um, <laughs>
0: You share whatever Uh, you feel
1: confident sharing. There's a lot. Which imposter are we are we speaking of? Um, There are many. Uh, Most recently, you know, I um, took a a new role um, and and took a a pretty big leap um, for myself, and I stepped into a job where um, I'm really not doing the things that I used to. Um, I have been dictated by a phone for the last six years. Um, four years I'm on a crisis line and now a year and a half um, with an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And um, every part of my life has always been controlled and dictated. Like I had things to, to uh, numbers I needed to meet, thing, expectations, needs. All of that has shifted into this new role. And suddenly the things by which I have used to determine my worth and my value – my you know the amount of phone calls i take the amount of crisis assessments i do like all of these different things it's all gone it's changed um and so suddenly um i have to i have to step up to the plate and i'm feeling very um very unqualified at the moment um even though i have all of the qualifications even though i have the character and the personality and the jokes and all of this stuff like I i have all of that that's but I'm not the jokes. I well think about it, corporate training you' you're with yeah you' people for eight hours eight hours. They're like please
0: tell me a joke Michelle, please eight hours
1: of me talking. you need humor. so yes, you're right. I have like all of like i I have all of that. like everything is here. all all of the check all of the boxes are checked. but somehow. I don't feel up to it. And it's, it's, I'm very excited for this job. I'm thrilled. I'm waiting on, I mean, I'm getting up early. I'm doing everything I can. But right now, I'm going through this place where I'm really having to battle with myself um, and really kind of fight those negative voices, which is an easier thing to say than do. Um, I'm discovering.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's true for everybody. We tend to feel like that's just us. But I, I think that across the board, if you were to ask or take a poll, most people would tell you the same thing. Yeah. Like they struggle with the same things, the, the negative self-talk. They struggle with, you know, self-image or whatever. Um, they're more more than ready to believe the negative about themselves rather than the positive. Um, mm-hmm. So we all end up feeling like this is our personal tragedy that we're living. But yet it's a very common experience.
1: Yes, well, I will say that I am finding that my imposter syndrome comes out the most during transitions. Um, oh, yeah. and anything stressful, like, I would think. Any, any transition, any, like, stressful event like that, um, specifically in relationship to employment or um, family relationships, things like that, often are going to draw um, this, this imposter syndrome out. At least it has for me.
0: Right. Well, actually, there's... Um if you read through literature on imposter syndrome, one of the things they say is that, uh, it, there's several, there's several situations in which it's very prevalent. Um, one of those is any kind of new environment, mm-hmm. but an academic setting is high on the list. Yep. Workplace, high on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, social interactions and relationships. And when you stop and think about all of these things, they're all a place in which you want to your best foot forward so to speak you want to be seen as attractive you want to be seen as intelligent you want to be seen as a a good worker Mm -hmm. or you know good at your job so these are places where you're going to overcompensate in trying to achieve but yet somewhere in the back of your mind is still going to be that doubt that is it enough so that these people find me attractive or intelligent Or or articulate or whatever the case may be is it enough and almost without fail, always in our mind, it's never enough. Or we wouldn't continue to try and overachieve. You know, right. uh, I, I know for me too. Even that word "overachiever" was something that people say to me often, and usually they kind of laugh about it, and we make a joke about it. Um But that makes me feel very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, is that how they see me? Like I'm an overachiever? Maybe I'm talking too much about my achievements. You know, right. it so, could go
1: both ways. It, it's yeah, not, you're all over yeah. the place with this. <laughs> There is no safe place. It's like, no. it's always grass is greener on the other side or right. vice versa. It's always right. going to be coming from one or the other direction. It's not always But one the way.
0: common denominator in all of that. However, is our impression of what other people think. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes back to. And so again, it comes back to that fear of being rejected based on whatever parameter we're talking about. Um, and so, as it pertains to the workplace, we don't want to be rejected by an authority figure or a boss because we want to look good in our job. But more often than not, we're afraid we're going to lose our job. Right. Um, or somebody better will be assigned to our job and we'll lose our job because of that. So, that's where it is. In academia, I'm constantly striving for that A. Right. That's, I mean. Well, it's
1: not that hard. There's Michelle. no other
0: grade for me. Right. And it, What's that? It's
1: not that hard. <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm doing statistics right now. Oh, for... never
1: mind. I take Ugh. it back. I take it Ugh. back. I hated that class.
0: God, I am not a fan of statistics. Oh.
1: <laughs> is it Excel statistics or is it normal statistics?
0: Yeah. No, it's – there's well, it's not Excel. There's another program they're having me use. But, um, you know, the first week I turned in an assignment and I, I had missed one on the assignment and I went back and looked at it I was like, No. Fought it? No. Did you fight it? No. I fought it and I came back and he's like, You're absolutely right. I didn't look at it right. And I was like, Hell yes <laughs> Now this last week, I got an eighty percent. I was pretty pissed. <laughs> and I went back and looked at it and I'm like, okay, yeah, I screwed I and screwed that, up there.
1: And so that is why fighting <laughs> every one of those points matters and counts.
0: Exactly. You never know. You might.
1: Even <laughs> but all it's I can think of- now. You <laughs> You don't know what the next one will be.
0: All I, Well, exactly. And all I could think of is, look, out of out of the first two assignments, I was perfect. This third assignment, I got an 80%. Oh, my God. It dropped my grade to a 91. Oh, my Ugh. God. That's too low. Ugh. That's too low. It's too close to not having an A. Right. Oh, my gosh.
1: What's going to happen? You know?
0: And so you start mentally digging at yourself. You start mentally chastising yourself. Why are you not good at this? What? I mean, I'm sorry. Sometimes you're just not good at statistics. <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> um and, it, and, I, and that's I mean, okay
1: I, however i don't know if that's okay as an accountant but it is as a social worker but
0: <laughs> well accounting's a different kind of numbers so bad and kind of that numbers. makes sense to me statistics i'm like what the hell are we <laughs> i don't understand what are this we doing? and of course in behavioral sciences statistics is only useful for when you're working on data a dissertation idea like you're trying to research. confirm your dissertation right yeah research, research. so you know But, I mean, how much research do you do once you have a license to be a clinical psychologist? (laughs) Well, probably not much. Unless you just... You read other people's. (laughs)
1: Unless you decide to go work at, like, Washington University or some Ivy League school and do research as, like, a fellow. No.
0: No. No. But so, so I mean, we've shifted a little bit. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It's the idea that you're constantly striving to be better. And there's just things that the reality is maybe you're not going to be good right. at. And that's okay because none of us are good at everything. Mm-hmm. But yet we want to – Try to be, you know, and that's the other thing. I mean, that kind of responsibility was drummed into me from the time I was a small child. Like, you have to do your best, you have to be responsible, you have to, you know, 110%, which I always laughed at because I'm like, that's just not.
1: Bees were not okay.
0: (laughs) No, ever. 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 Unless it was math.
1: Unless it was math, I (laughs) got a pass. But everything else, it had to be A's.
0: Well, I did that to my kids. I had high expectations for my kids. Now, look, I do believe that having high expectations for somebody is an okay thing. Mm-hmm. I, think, I do think people work up to an expectation. Mm-hmm. So, as a parent, yes, I want my, ch- my children to excel. Um, nobody ever got in trouble for a grade that I remember um, But I would very jokingly say, and I do think on some level it bothered them now that if they're adults, I'd catch little comments. But I would jokingly say, like, if they got an A minus, I'd be like, minus? <laughs> the hell? Where did the minus come from?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably don't remember that. I bet you they do.
0: I bet they do, too. <laughs> I bet
1: they remember. Um,
0: well, you know, but again, we tend to think that this is only about us. We forget that we're having an effect on people mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. Um, Funny story. And it was something that made me shut up for a long time. When I was in junior college and I had to take a math class, um, we took a test. And I got the test back. You know, they're handing it back. And your grade is in red on the paper. Mm -hmm. Hand me my test back. I got a 98. I was so pissed. (laughs) I'm like so incredibly angry. And I said it out loud. I'm like, 98? 98? damn it I'm not even kidding you the lady sitting next to me reached over and like snatched angrily snatched my paper off the desk slammed it down and started writing something on it and then threw it back at me
1: what'd she write?
0: she wrote 98 makes you human shut the hell up (laughs) I was like oh damn (laughs) my bad (laughs) I felt so bad because I was like, I'm so keyed into this is not my standard that I hurt somebody else's feelings. You Who probably, I didn't even look at her paper. I have no idea what she got, but right. I don't think it was a 98. Right. Um, but this is what this does to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It creates the sense of competitive perfectionism.
1: And it makes us we, so successful, though. Uh, <laughs> We're so successful but we're so well, hollow we and shallow as humans,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, we can be successful. We can, you know, we can hit on the markers for achievement within our chosen field or our ac- chosen activity. but you're right, at at what cost mentally right. or, or to other people? But since we're talking about imposter syndrome, at what cost to us mm-hmm. um, i i I think we do damage to ourselves. I, actually, I'm positive we do. I know I've done damage to myself.
1: So. Well, I know that I will oftentimes like in the midst of feeling like an imposter, in the midst of not feeling good enough and, and kind of fighting things that I will spiral at, at moments. Um, yeah. Right. And it is not good. Um, and oftentimes I will spiral over things that have not even happened and are not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I have already <laughs> grieved situations that yes. have not even occurred. I, it's like, uh, I'm winning the game. I am, (laughs) I'm accomplishing things I don't even need to. It is wonderful. So one of the things I want in, in upcoming episodes for us to kind of unpack, um, now that we've both been a little honest about things that (laughs) we're going through and, and how this affects us on the real, you know, on, on, in real life. Right. What I'm hoping moving forward is that Michelle and I are going to do a little research. We're going to do a little reading and we're going to talk about some things that are actually helpful for people. What do you think? Is that kind of what kind of your vision, Michelle? Yeah. That's mine. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, because I'd like to get a little deeper into the subject matter. I'd like to understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that surface level understanding already has me pegged. <laughs> so I feel like. <laughs> okay the better i understand this maybe the better i can be about handling it
1: right the more i did you know the more i'll discover yeah
0: yeah you know i think it's too easy to sit and think about well let's talk about mental health issues and and kind of divorce ourselves from the reality of their effect on our life as well so i think this is a good thing to do is to be vulnerable and say Mm -hmm. no i struggle with this Mm -hmm. um you know and and when I'm telling people of my achievements, it's not actually bragging. It's trying to remind myself that I've done good things. Right. I'm trying to believe that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to support one another, not just you and I, but the people listening, because they need to know there's other people out there that are struggling with the same thing so that you can talk about it. And it's not taboo, mm-hmm. you know, that this is something that other other people can relate to and respond to. So that there's a sense of working through a problem together, you know.
1: And that's what we want to be about.
0: That's what I want to be about for sure. Me too. podcast listeners this is
1: elizabeth and this is chris what's going on it's omar here from movies that molded me what is movies that molded me it's the most fun podcast around <laughs> it's a
0: movie ranking <laughs> game show where we take our favorite movies from a specific topic or genre and play against each other to create the definitive top five list
1: where can we find movies that molded me so
0: you can find us on apple podcast and spotify check
1: it out it's a lot of fun <laughs> you
0: need to listen to our show